Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. You're trying to buy groceries for your family, but then you check the bank account balance and you realize, "Uh uh-oh, I don't have enough money to cover this. And your heart sinks. Oh, what do you do? I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Greg Smalley and Aaron Smalley, and we're returning to a conversation with Erin Odom, who overcame financial difficulties, really significant ones, in her marriage. And she wrote a book about it called More Than Just Making It. Here is Erin talking with Jim Daly. To paint that picture a little more fully, I mean, you had to turn to government assistance. You had to go on WIC, the Mm -hmm. program, the food supplemental program, food stamps, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. And coming from your background in the book, you described that as extremely humiliating. It was. Uh, Talk about the way we view um, people that have to turn to the government for help Mm -hmm. in the church. I thought that was really interesting how you described it in the book. I, I talked about that a lot in the book, and I will say I've gotten some pushback from that. And if you haven't um, been there, it's really hard to, to understand. And so I did feel very humble. The book opens with me going in to apply for food stamps. And I asked my mom, do you want to go in with me? She had driven me there. We didn't even have a car at the time. And I had a toddler and an infant in the car. Oh and goodness. she said, you know, no, it's okay. I'll stay in the car with the kids. And what popped in my head was, She's embarrassed to even be with me because this was the town I had grown up in. I might run into someone I know. And it was very humbling. But when I look back at it, at some point in that journey, the Lord really convicted me. The reason why this feels so humbling and shameful to you is because of your pride. And God just really pulled me out of that and showed me that there are a lot of stereotypes and misconceptions about people that use government aid. And I would even go into the government aid office because you would have to go for, um, you know, monthly check-ins and, you know, ever so often go in and they'd have to check your income and they would actually do some kind of like health exam on me and the children. And I would look at the WIC officer and I would say, you know, we're educated and, and we don't want to abuse the system. And she would say, look. This is made for people like you who are trying to better their situation. Yeah, kind of the temporary approach. Mm-hmm. That is what that was Absolutely. originally intended for, to help people out of a desperate situation. Absolutely. Uh, how did you process that? How was your husband feeling? Let's go to the male ego here. Well, mm-hmm. we, we both felt that shame, really. And um, my parents knew. His parents did not know. Uh, none of our friends knew. I didn't feel like I could tell anyone. I would hide my WIC checks. I would purposely go to the grocery store when I felt like I wouldn't run into people. Mm -hmm. Again, I feel like this shows my pride. Mm -hmm. I was very prideful. Um, It was hard for him. And it was something that as soon as we knew our income had increased, I called the government aid office. And I said, I call, I remember the day, I remember exactly where I was sitting. And I said, you couldn't wait to make this call. It looks like. (laughs) And I I said, um, our income has increased. Thank you for helping us, but we don't want to take advantage. And and they actually said, well, you're allowed to be on it for the rest of the year. And I said, no, please take me off. Wow. You know, They're not like, used to that. No. I said, let this bless somebody else. Huh. And I finally saw it as this is part of God's provision. You know, God is much bigger than we think, and he provides for us in different ways. And thank the Lord, we live in a country that cares for the poor. Let me let me elaborate on that pushback because I'm sure some of what you've heard is you know it's the church's job to take care of right. those that are struggling financially, mm-hmm. but it's somewhat impractical at times, right? right? Describe that and how we as Christians don't necessarily feel comfortable uh, getting on the government 
programs. I, I, I absolutely agree. And I write about this in the book a lot. It, it is the church's job to take care of the poor. I do feel like um, there's a couple things going on. I feel like the church, um, many churches aren't equipped, like you said. They don't have all the resources to take care of the poor. Mm-hmm. Or they just don't know how. You know, even we were living in a more affluent area. And that's where we still live. And our church was very affluent. And even when they would say things like, come and apply for a scholarship to go on the women's retreat, come up to the front and sign our book and sign the application for the scholarship. And I remember thinking, I really want to go on the women's retreat. But I just felt just really ashamed for everyone in the church to look at me applying for that. And so I ended up emailing aside. But we as a church, we need to look at, okay, how are we going, how can we help people and help them maintain their dignity? And also, how can we join with some of these government programs that do have more money? How can we say, you know what? Our church doesn't have enough in our benevolence fund to provide for all of your food needs right now. But I will walk with you. I will drive you to the WIC office. And I will sit there with you and I will apply for WIC Mm, with you. Interesting, yeah. I will show you how to do that so that it takes a little bit of the sting away of having to do it alone or the shame that we might feel going there and doing Even that, that. I mean, that's it doesn't cost the church staff member anything except time, which I get is important. But wouldn't that be great support? Mm -hmm. Now, that took a lot of courage for her to admit that she was struggling. And Erin, you counsel uh, engaged couples, married couples, a lot of different people. But how do you encourage that couple that hasn't yet come together and joined their finances? How do you help them avoid some of the big financial problems? Mm -hmm. It's important that, especially with engaged couples, to help them create an atmosphere, an environment within their marriage that it's safe for us to talk about anything, including finances, that we can come to the table and put our wants, our needs, our desires out, and that we can have an open, honest, safe conversation where we're both going to be heard and valued. It's important within that engagement time, though, to put out the expectations that they each have around the finances, which is going to then get into, you know, what does tithing look like? What does saving look like? Especially, what are you coming from with your family of origin? Mm -hmm. How is money dealt with? And what expectations have you developed as a result of that? Yeah. My dad has, that makes me think of my dad. He's got this um, handwritten spreadsheet that he does with their with their, his wow. retirement check every month. Wow. And so he's got it all figured out, and he juggles the money. He goes down, and he puts money in different accounts, and then he'll go down and transfer it all. It's It took me a long time to get a handle on it. <laughs> and I did that because my mom has no clue. Yeah. And, um, and she, she just, he does it all. That was the same for my in-laws. I mean, huh. my, my wife's dad did all the finances, and her mom really struggled after he passed away to manage the day-to-day. And I'm not sure that when they got engaged, they had any different expectation. When we got engaged, I was mismanaging money, so Dina took it over. <laughs> <laughs> that was your plan all along. I just changed banks because I kept bouncing <laughs> checks. It's like, oh, I'll go open another one somewhere else. I'm far better now, and, and I, I actually take care of all the long-term stuff. But getting those things worked out is really, really difficult sometimes. It really is. You know, for many uh, engaged couples, especially young engaged couples, boy, they're bringing in a lot of debt from school, mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. maybe some other places. And you'd be surprised at how many of those couples don't talk about that. And it's shocking to one as they walk in and f- realize that, you know, they've got 
four or five hundred dollars a month in debt repayment that they didn't know about. That becomes not a you problem, it becomes a we problem, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and you've got to help people um, have the right expectations. Yeah. And that's why even when my son-in-law uh, was asking for our daughter's hand in marriage, I mean, that was a part of what, what we talked about. You know, what, what is, what does debt look like for you? Not, not from a kind of big picture, yeah. but like literally talk to me about your debt. I know you've been in school. What does that look like? And, and Caleb was really honest, really upfront that there was some debt from school, but here was the plan. Mm -hmm. Here was how he yeah. was going to repay that. They were going to repay that. And so it's, it's a, I love what Aaron said. I think at the end of the day, are we willing to train our relationship that it's okay to talk about anything, especially money issues? And if so, as long as we make that a safe conversation, man, we can talk through any of this because there's enough great help. Yeah. Yeah. Out there. Oh, there are a lot of resources. And of mm -hmm. course, um, Aaron Odom has written a great book called More Than Just Making It. And uh, we've heard her story the past couple of episodes. That's a great resource. And we'd be happy to send that to you as our thank you gift for your generous monthly contribution or a one time uh, gift. And so you can uh, donate at our website. While you're there, be sure to also take our free marriage assessment, which covers 12 essential traits for a healthy relationship. We've touched on some of those in one way or the other today. Um, both the assessment and the book, we'll link over to those in the show notes. Well, next time we're going to hear from Dr. Cliff and Joyce Penner discussing how to have a healthy perspective about sexuality. I'm John Fuller, and for Greg, Aaron, and the rest of the team, thanks for listening today to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.